0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and
1: Scott.
2: Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we have the Utes. And the Huskies, and what a great game that was for everyone to watch. <laughs> and we're joined by Steve Bartle from UteZone.com to kind of give his opinion on what's going on. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan.
1: Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Crickets. Scott, Crickets. wake up. Oh, yeah, he's in Lake Powell. Poor
2: Scott is stuck in Lake Powell with a mother-in-law. <laughs> now, I'm sure she's a lovely lady. <laughs> But honestly, who out there wants to be
1: in a houseboat with their mother-in-law? And he missed the game, too. He was not at the game. I believe he was able to watch it from the houseboat, at least portions of it from what we've heard. But he is not with us tonight to talk about the outcome of
2: We actually game. might be have a chance for our opinions on this yeah, episode good, without him talking over good
1: us. Good point. I, this, this actually might go well for us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lucky for Scott that he wasn't in the stadium for that game. Good golly, I don't even know where to begin. This offense, it's year in, year out, kind of the same garbage offense where the defense is spectacular, the defense is keeping the keeping Utah in the game,
1: and the offense just kind of craps the bed. <laughs> That's definitely a good way to put it. I mean, I I think year after year we've had these conversations where – we talk about how the defense is great and holds opponents to to manageable points and yardage and the offense just can't get it done and i think this year's no different in the, other than this defense i think is more than good this defense is is very good they gave up some chunk plays here and there they gave up 170 some odd yards in rushing which isn't great, but holding the number 10 team in the country to 21 points, your offense should be able to generate at least 21 points.
2: Well, and I, I would even argue that some of those points were gifted by the officials Oh yeah, in, in certain situations. Yeah. And so even giving up 21 points in those, situ- those circumstances, yeah, the defense dominated. I mean, let, let, Washington's a very good team. Oh, yeah, Chris they, Peterson they, they, always has a very good offense. And he's got wits number, doesn't he? Ooh, oh. <laughs> and full credit to Morgan Scally because the pressure they were putting on Browning all game was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Washington couldn't stop it. The only bad thing is that Utah couldn't take
1: advantage of the defense doing that. Yeah, it really was unfortunate. I mean, it's just kind of how you, you opened up here and opened up the podcast. It's like... There's for sure things in life. You got to pay your taxes, you're going to die, and Utah's offense sucks. It's like a broken record every single year with us, with this. And I think a little later in the podcast we're going to talk with Steve Bartle from Ute Zone and ask him some questions about the offense whether it's a certain position group that's at fault or multiple position groups or the scheme or Execution. I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but in three games, that offense has not looked the part that it was hyped to be before the season started. Oh, and I think that's what's so puzzling is now a lot of
2: people are trying to blame the media for hyping this team up for drinking the Kool Aid. We were in fall camp. We were in spring camp. This isn't the offense that we saw. We saw guys making plays we didn't see wide receivers dropping balls and you can say oh it's practice it's a little bit easier they're still going against the ones when we were watching
1: yeah and that those those corners those safeties those linebackers they should have been they i mean they they got this offense ready to go and for whatever when the lights came on something's going on i don't know what i don't know what the answer is and apparently the coaches don't either <laughs> <laughs> so i I gotta throw this out there because I think
2: there's a lot of talk on on social media, and I know social media doesn't isn't always hundred percent right shocker to everybody there's a there's this notion of Troy Taylor needs to go we're in in year two, we haven't seen the improvement that Utah was expecting what Utah was promised this iphone offense i I know we all kind of have fun joking around the I, the iPhone offense. But do you think if this doesn't get corrected
1: that Taylor should be gone? I don't know. I think uh, you're right. All over Twitter there's people calling for for him to, to be gone at the end of this season and probably some calling for it to be done before the next game. But I honestly don't know that that's the answer and probably don't think that's the answer. I mean i think popular opinion is that he should be gone and and it's almost if you look back it's almost like we're in year 13 of whittingham's tenure as head coach and we've been through this so many times and it's almost like wit tends to buckle to that public opinion like i've got you know the offense isn't doing what I think it should be doing. It's not doing what the fans think it should be doing. So let's change it up. I mean, I mean, may be way off base. Maybe that's not what he's thinking at all. But at least from the outside, I think that's what it appears to be in some aspects. He's just got to make a change to make it better. But it it never it never gets better, and it never lasts long enough to get better. So. Cutting Troy Taylor at the end of season two, unless unless this just turns into an abysmal season where you only win like three or four games, maybe you look at that. But I, I think they'll probably turn turn it around, figure some things out. And if that's the case, I think you've got to continue to hitch your wagon to it and, and give it a good shot. You know, a few episodes ago when we had Jordan Wynn on, and
2: he talked about... You know, they'd be in a game. A play would call in. Guys would go to the line of scrimmage, and they had no idea what they were running because it'd be their yeah. fourth offense in four years. Yeah. So I I agree. I I think with the culture on the offense, you got to build that up. And if you just keep cutting guys out year after year after year, you're you're never going to breed success with that. Uh, absolutely. So another thing that's really been popular on Twitter, Tyler Huntley. He hasn't seemed comfortable all season. This last game is twenty of thirty-eight, one hundred thirty-eight yards, one interception. I mean, not terrible numbers. I mean, you'd rather seem a, a, a little bit better on that. But people are are calling for Tuttle. I like, I've seen people calling for Shelley. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll, I'll fully admit, I'm a Huntley guy. I I want Tyler Huntley to be quarterback. I think or starting
1: quarterback. I think he's the best one on the roster. Do you? Yeah. As highly touted as Tuttle came, you think he's, maybe at this particular time, he is. I, okay, uh, I think
2: Tuttle down the road has the potential of being better, but right now in their careers, I, I think Huntley's, uh, Huntley's the answer. I mean, if you look, you saw in, in the red and white game with with Tuttle, one possession, he looks amazing. The next possession, he looks like a kid in high school.
1: Yeah, and, and I, we all lived through the freshman quarterback thing of several years back with Travis Wilson, and he was he came out of high school highly touted, not as highly touted as as Tuttle, but uh, he had a great high school career, and we all thought he was the next big deal. And he he really struggled his freshman year, so I mean, it, it's probably good that he's probably going to redshirt this year unless something unfortunate happens to Huntley or Shelley, but. Uh, it'd get him, get him some good experience at, at this level. I mean, I definitely think that there's something going on with Tyler. He hasn't
2: looked comfortable. I don't know if no, he's, he he's he's pressing too hard, if if he's overthinking things. Uh, maybe they need to dial da- offense down a little bit, but get him in better situations um, that he can be successful.
1: If any of you listen to the the post game after uh, after the game, Britton Covey said the exact same thing. Uh, he he will. He said two things that I think really stood out. The offense needs an identity, and they need to they need to put Huntley in a position where he's comfortable making plays, and that's coming from your leading wide receiver. I mean, I think that speaks volumes. One thing that is kind of making me a little bit
2: nervous with Huntley right now is his his attitude. If you heard in the on his press conference uh, on Monday. His answers were very short. He seems very withdrawn, and that's not the the Tyler that we're used to seeing. He usually has a big smile on his face
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, after practices and whatnot. And it kind of worries me because it made me think of Jordan Wynn. When Wynn was in the program and he just kept getting injured, and you could kind of see him kind of regress and kind of pull back from the media Uh, and eventually retired during the season, during his senior year. I'm not saying that Huntley's going to retire or anything, but it's not the Tyler we're used to seeing out in the public. And that does worry me, and that's why I think this coaching staff, maybe this bye week is coming at a great time, and I hate that cliche because every coach will say that, but maybe it is going to come at a good time for this offense to kind of regroup.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely agree, and I it is hard to see because he is, he's always been a very outgoing personality. Uh, when you see him on, during interviews or out in the public, he's always pretty jovial and he, he's not right now. And I think part of that may be just he's probably putting a lot of pressure on himself. He probably saw these first three games going much differently than they have gone. And he's probably putting that pressure on himself. And I think, he probably is looking at social media, which probably is not a good thing to do i I mean, I get it we all we're all on social media, and you want to see what's going on. but it might if I were him, I'd probably turn it off for the rest of the season and not and not see what fans are saying and just not add that element of the pressure to to what he's trying to do. He just needs to focus on football.
2: So with Scott not being here today, I was actually getting really excited that it was just us. And I didn't have to deal with him, but he <laughs> is texting in. So out of the generosity of my heart, Ryan, why don't you kind of throw up Scott's thought um, about Tyler Huntley?
1: All right, here we go, folks. Bear with me; it's it's a lengthy one. Scott wrote an epistle from <laughs> well, Scott have a lot of words. What <laughs> I know, it's hard to believe. He says, Since I can't be on the podcast, please read this on my behalf. Wits time is done. Wow. He's stepping out right. <laughs> Scott ah. That was the most disgusting and embarrassing performance I have ever witnessed. We have done the unthinkable. We have taken a an historically bad offense over a decade and made it worse. <laughs> this iPhone offense is a sham. Huntley keeps throwing our wide receivers into the ER. No one has the fortitude to catch the ball. Is there anyone on offense who knows the what the word leadership means? Scott's going all out. He's hiding out in Lake Powell and he's calling everyone out. <laughs> I know. That's such a Scott move. And then he goes on to say, the NCAA should investigate Utah for point shaving because if guilty, that would be less embarrassing than what I just witnessed. <laughs> In typical Scott fashion from Lake Powell. <laughs>
2: oh, Scott, we miss you.
1: <laughs> Scott, you were heard on this podcast, even though you're down sunning yourself with your mother in law. So I think Scott does bring up a, a good point in
2: taking this iPhone offense, something that, that Tor Taylor's been harping on that it's a simple offense. It, it's so simple that he's not giving the ball to the running backs. Zach Moss, 13 carries, 67 yards. I'm on Shine two carries
1: for 14 yards. What the heck? Why aren't we running the ball? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's got to be a fine line there. I don't know what that number is. I think last podcast, the three of us were kind of going back and forth. I think I said 20 to 25. I think Scott was kind of similar to me. I think you said 25 was too high, but maybe around 20. Maybe Troy Taylor's scheme doesn't run the ball that much. But then, at the same time, you've got to feature. You've got. You've got to. You got to play to your strengths. You do, and I think you have potentially an NFL caliber running back in Moss, and you've got to utilize him. And I know he's banged up a little bit. He's got an ankle, an ankle issue, and that probably hampered him a little bit in this Washington game. But when he was carrying the ball, he was picking up significant yardage, and I think you've got to stick with that. and And if he can't go. Shines. I know it's been a couple of years since he's played significant football, but he's proven that he can play at this level. Why not put him in there? I don't. You I, have T.J. Green. You got T.J. I Green. think
2: that's where oh, yeah. the frustration level is. Is we hear you know uh, and and Winningham in his Monday press conference say that Zach Moss is one hundred percent. I I will believe that. We we saw Moss a couple times this week and last week get up a little slow, mm-hmm. favoring his ankles. I'll totally buy it. But where I don't buy is so and then let's just abandon it. Why have these guys on scholarship then? If yeah. these guys can't cut it, why are they in the program?
1: I don't understand it either, because you brought them here for a reason and and you've seen what they can do. If you go back and watch last week against Northern Illinois, you watch the one scoring drive we had this week. He was featured they They really utilized him. As they should have, and were successful. And we kind of talked a little bit about this last week too. It's like he he uses him, and then says, "Yeah, there, I I got it out of the way. Yeah, now he I'm he go checks back. it off. Yeah, right. he checks it off, and then goes back to his pass plays, which or running Tyler or whatever. And it's just not working. If I was an offensive coordinator, and something consistently worked. I don't care what I wanted to do. You got your job, it's important. You got to do it.
2: Well, and I think it comes down to having that identity. And I know that's really cliché right now to say, but when you do something and you do it well, you got to ride that horse. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Utah needs to turn into a Wisconsin or an Air Force where they're just constantly running the ball and running moss 30, 40 times a game. That's not what I want. And, and and to your point, what you said earlier, 20 to 25 carries is not
1: unreasonable. No, if he carried it 20 or 25 times, and Huntley carries it five or six times, and then you throw it another 40, 35, 40 times, that's a fairly balanced offense. But when you're only carrying 13 times... So you had 15 carries... Between
2: the the running backs, between between Moss, had Moss and Shine, and
1: Shine had two, so fifteen total carries. It just blows my mind when you've got guys back there that
2: make things happen. So we did get uh, an email in from Idaho U alum, so we really appreciate that. And you can email us at UtahManPodcast at Gmail. Uh, he you no, know, he made some some great points. I I just kind of pick out a couple of them out of his email. Uh, he says, Taylor has spent his coaching life studying how to stretch D's and develop quarterbacks who are cerebral enough to run it. I think the struggles we are seeing on O are results of a bit of an identity crisis. Taylor at Eastern Washington led the nation in passing yards, 400 yards a game, and possibly plays per game, polar opposite of coach Witt. And then he goes on and says, I love watching the spread O oh, when it is run like it should, and I hope Utes can eventually convert. But Wit's DNA is to dig in his heels and feed a good back the ball a lot.
1: Thanks, Idaho Ute, for emailing this. Uh, this in I mean, you bring up you bring up some valid points. I think all of us kind of daydream back to the days when Urban Meyer was here and that spread offense just picked up yards and picked up touchdowns and it was really fun to watch and I think we kind of long for those days a little bit but I think but I think it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about I think there has to be there's got to be a little bit of balance and I and I understand what he's saying you know typically spread offenses are designed to to spread the defense out and typically run at a at a high tempo so the defense doesn't have the opportunity to substitute players and keep them fresh it's really there to really grind them down and wear them out and but i think when you have guys like moss and shine and a physical offensive line that can do the same thing and you can still run at a high tempo. i think maybe that's maybe troy taylor hasn't really run at a high tempo since he's been here and i don't know necessarily know if that's his mo or not but uh if it kind of goes back to that same point. As good as Moss is, and the success we've seen when he's carried the load a little bit, he's got to he's got to get some touches. And at the same, if the receivers aren't catching the ball, you might as well use him. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to move the ball somehow. You know, one thing I, I
2: want to bring up that Idaho, you kind of pointed out, and, and maybe something uh, that I want to bring up with D from Mute Zone is when he talks about a it, it wit's DNA of digging in his heels. And kind of going to that to a, to a power run game with, mm-hmm. with a solid running back, yeah. But but at the end of the day, Troy Taylor's calling the offense. He's calling the plays. It's easy for us to send the play Monday morning quarterback and say you need to run the ball. You need to run the ball. We don't know everything that's going on, especially when Winningham comes up today and and says, in lieu of Shine not getting carries, is you have to practice a certain way to earn playing time. That was an interesting comment. So there there's there may be more behind the scenes, but just as a, a first level fan looking at this, improvement needs to start with with play calling and it needs to be with getting players in position to make plays.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I I think there's blame across the board. I think Troy Taylor needs to call a better game. There's some series that he calls some good plays. And things work out. And then there's more than enough series, on the other hand, that don't work out. And I think that's where the frustration comes from. But it's not just him. But he needs to call better plays or at least coach his players to and put them in better situations. Um, but the players have some responsibility too. A lot of them have been in this system now for over a year and should be performing at a higher level than they're performing right now. So
2: one group that's not performing at a high level right now is the wide receivers. We came into the season looking at it on paper, thinking this was one of the better wide receiving groups Utah has had in quite some time. Bill Riley counted up, and he's counting five drops that wide receivers had this last game. Not the production that I think a lot of Utah fans were expecting out of this wide receiving core. Covey led with eight receptions. As much as and he's dead too <laughs> <laughs> yeah as as much as as covey is a is a great player and and a great weapon for this team and a guy who needs the ball in his hands, I don't like Covey being the leading receiver in receptions in a game, and no disrespect to covey but i i that I don't like seeing that. I would rather see guys like c o c Mariner. Bronson Boyd, Simpkins having more receptions than Covey.
1: I would agree with you, but the, the, those guys you just named off have not been performing. I mean, Simpkins crowned himself the best receiver in the country before the season started. And he I think I, if I remember correctly, I think I saw a stat where he was targeted seven times in that ga- game against Washington and only had one reception. Whether that's that's probably not all on him. I don't know. But if you have the nerve to crown yourself the best receiver in the nation, you've got to deliver. And he has not. In three games, he's been absolutely... He's pulled a disappearing act. Boyd, he's got great potential. but He had that play where he fumbled. had a great... Downfield reception turned up field and fumbled it. Mariners seem to disappear too. I think I mean, he, he can't even get on the field. Yeah, I don't know. He I he had it, the freaking nice block. Oh yeah, that was sweet. And that was I think it was really what well we saw from him. I don't know. Obviously, we're not inside the program to know what's going on. If there's things they're not practicing well, so they're not getting the playing time, or or what the situation is. But these guys have got to step up and. First and foremost, when Tyler hits them with the ball, they've got to catch it. Huntley had a, what do you say, 138 yards passing? Those five drops easily would have put him well over 200 and could have changed the outcome, at least changed the complexion of the game.
2: I think one of the big issues with the game is this offense is is just not good enough to overcome things like drop balls or penalties. And when you have five drop balls, I mean, that just kills your, kills the drive for you. And, and and I don't know if it's just because these guys are young. I mean, it is a young wide receiving group and outside of Covey, no one has really stepped up to be a leader. And maybe that's the transformation we need to see out of this position group because on paper, they're better than this. And I think that's where fans are getting frustrated. And that's where I'm getting frustrated is we saw in camp, we see on paper, they should be. Beating expectations, but they're poor.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, we've been negative. Let's turn it around. Offensive line a lot better. Winningham said in his press conference they played much better. They uh, they can dominate games.
1: So what? That was good. It was good, and I I did notice that when we were there at the game. I thought the offense. That was one thing that I think a lot of us were worried about going into this game after watching the first couple um, playing a you know a. a defense from a top 10 team how's this offensive line gonna hold up and for the most part they blocked the run well the 15 times we ran it but they they did get they gave they gave Huntley some time back there to throw a lot better than I had anticipated in playing which is great so we started the podcast mentioning the defense
2: and Morgan Scally calling a great game again Chase Hanson
1: the guy's a stud
2: Cody Barton Three games in, and every game they've been stellar.
1: They have the linebacking crew has been, and and Donovan Thompson got quite a bit of playing time as well this week, and he had some good tackles. So I think um, yeah, the linebackers are playing well. the The corners gave up a couple. I think that's to be expected, in, in the course of a game against a top ten team, you're going to give up some pass yards here and there. And they, there was one deep ball down the sideline, and being. Browning through it was a perfectly thrown ball. He put it where only his guy could get it, and it was it was great. There's nothing I don't know that you can blame Blackman on that, but uh, those th- those things are going to happen. But overall, they they did a great job. They held they held him to 21 points. I mean that's that's fantastic to hold a number 10 team in the nation to 21 points. They did their job. The refs sucked, but the defense was great. We can't, we can't not bring up the targeting calls. Come on, we've got to at least hit hit them here, just for the sake of talking about them. Can't don't we? I mean, I I don't even know anymore that I don't think they
2: know what anymore. <laughs> I understand player safety; they don't want lawsuits. But there needs to be a better standard of w- where the line is and they need to stop with the reject with the ejections. Yeah, I or at least treat them like like a personal foul or if it's so aggrievous, then toss them.
1: We've all watched football games where, you know, you can see a dirty play versus a football play. Both of those ejections were football plays. There was nothing malicious about either of those. And granted, by the letter of the rule, they were targeting. And they don't have any other way around it right now other than to eject the player. I think that needs to change, in my opinion. I bet Scott wishes that he could get ejected right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it does look like we have Steve Bartle on the phone. Uh, before we bring him on, we'll let you know that that interview is brought to you by Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Give Scott Omer a call at 801-307-4046. All right, joining us on the phone now is Steve Bartle from UteZone.com as well as ESPN 700. And you can always hear him after the game on the Ute React Show. Steve, thanks for jumping on.
0: Not a problem, Cam. Ryan, it's always good to, to be on with you guys. Definitely excited to talk about the game a little bit more with you guys.
2: So the first question I've got to ask you one that I think a lot of fans are talking about on social media, especially on your show, uh, what fans were talking about. What's going on with the wide receivers? In your opinion, i We saw them in camp performing well. What What do you think's going on?
0: You know, that's an interesting question and, and you, you kind of caught me at a great time because we actually, uh, we just did our own, uh, VIP podcast, our broadcast on com, And we actually had Kenneth Scott join us, uh, tonight, he, uh, spent about 25 minutes talking with us. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that we wanted to talk about was just the receiver groups and, and, and what's going on with them and why they're struggling. Because like you said, you know, what we saw in fall camp was not this you know this is not what we saw at all um you know it, it's it's one of those things where i think guys are are pressing these guys want to make plays they want to you know create these highlights and and those kind of things and they're just forgetting their basic principles of of receiver um you know simple uh, one step, one, two, and three. You know they're so worried about making plays and and putting up big numbers and, and being that explosive offense because that's what everybody wants. You know everybody wants this offense to succeed and be a high octane offense where they're producing just ridiculous numbers, which it, it has the potential to be. Um, you know you put up 281 against Weber State and you struggle most of the night and, and you still end up with 280 yards. It, it's, 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 there's a lot of potential there. And so these guys are, are I feel like there's just a, a lot of pressure on them to, uh, to make plays, to, to be the receivers that we expect them to be. And they're just feeling the weight of that pressure. They, they didn't come out guns blazing like we all had hoped. And, and I think that the, the thing is they're just, they're pressing. They, they're just struggling right now with the mental aspect of the game. You know, Britton Covey is so great because Britton Covey is so good in terms of his mental preparation and his mental state, and making sure that he's he checks the box one, two, three. You know, and I think other guys are just missing the marks on those basic uh, but essential type deals. So that's what I think is going on. It's just the mental aspect is is getting to the receivers.
1: When you say checking off the box one two three, I mean, are we talking? Can you elaborate on that? Are we talking? Are they not running the route precisely, or is it just they're not focused in on catching the ball? Well, what what are those check boxes you're referring
0: to? Yeah, so I, yeah, what I mean by that is there are just simple essential things, right? So you look the ball into your hand. That that's a, a big key into not dropping the ball. Is you got to watch the ball into your hand. That's that's one of the boxes I'm referring to. Um, you know in terms of routes, making sure that you're identifying where your your coverage is, making sure that you're running the right route, making sure that you're breaking off as crisply as you need to. Solomon Enos, um, in the northern illinois game uh, was featured in an rPO he was the the receiver he was the read in an rPO and they still converted it, but Solomon did not make his cut as crisply as he should have. It should be a one, two, three, boom, cut, break in on your slant. It took him five steps. And so something as small as that, which doesn't seem like much, but when, when it's, when we're talking about a, the game of inches and timing is everything, those two steps really throw you off. And so it's those types of little things, you know, being crisp with your routes, understanding where your defenders, especially in this Troy Taylor offense where it's all predicated on space and and open field, you got to understand how the coverage is and in terms of where the coverage is lining up on you. And you got to adjust your route accordingly and make sure that you're on the right page with, with the quarterback. So just a lot of little things like that. So you're not looking the ball in. You're not securing it like Bronson Boyd did on his fumble. You know, he caught the ball, but then he didn't secure it all the way. And it's, it's just those little things that have really nipped these guys in the, in the butt a couple times, um, over and over and over, it seems like.
1: So kind of in the along the same lines as that, we were only obviously only three games into it, but Huntley hasn't looked the same as he did last year, at least in my opinion. Is it is it Huntley or is it the receivers or is it a combination?
0: Well, I think it's a combination of of everything. Um, I think that he too is kind of feeling the pressure. You know, in in the press conference today, he was visibly frustrated and and was. Uh, you know, you could see it in his face, and you could hear it in his answers. Uh, is that he's just frustrated? Um, you know, I was listening to another uh, a podcast, an NFL podcast, and Carson Palmer was um, joined the podcast, and and they asked him, you know, when guys drop passes, do you ever like get mad at them? And he's like, no, you know, you continue to cheer him on unless it becomes re- repetitive, unless it happens multiple times, and then I then I just don't don't, don't go to him. But you know, with Huntley, where else does he go? You know, everybody's dropped the passes, and so as a quarterback, that's always going to be in your head. You know, who do I throw it to other than Britton Covey? Because I I can trust Britton Covey. Everything comes back to, to to trust and chemistry with these guys, and it just seems like there's a lack of chemistry. There's a lack of fun, and and that. And I think that's overall that's the biggest thing that that Tyler is is struggling with is there's not the same kind of chemistry um there's not um obviously with receivers dropping four or five passes a game there's a lot of um uh, there's a lack of trust, a lack of confidence in his receivers and so when when things don't go quickly it, it makes it much easier when you're already struggling to snowball and and, and lose control and so that's that's kind of what's going on right there
1: Obviously you do the the post game uh, recap stuff and you're on, you're on Twitter. You see all the fans talking about uh, Troy Taylor and maybe this isn't the right offense and whatever, but is in your opinion, is it the scheme or is it lack of execution?
0: It comes back to execution uh, without a question. That's right now. That's what, that's what it is. Um, You know, a lot of people will talk about Utah needs to go to a, a power run game, and no, no they don't. They have the guys up front, uh, that are already physical. I was talking to Nick Ford today, you know, after practice, and in their game review, they were, they, they watched film yesterday, and they talked about how they will put Washington defenders on their backs a few times throughout the game. You know, they were physical. And, and, and Whittingham talked about this in the press conference today as well as, you know the identity of the team, which is kind of a has has been a hot topic. You mm-hmm. know, since Britton Covey's post game interview, where you know he said that there's there's no identity. You need to find an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, Whittingham mentioned today, an ideal ideally, the identity of the team is a team that takes care of the ball, a team that is physical in the run game, and a team that takes advantage of explosive pass plays. And right now, they're they're one for three on that front they're physical in the run game that's why zach moss has had so much success it's just that there's been a lack of commitment to the run and so you know i think i I, you want to make sure that you you understand your identity that they are physical they play. they are a physical team um they just have to uh, now it's you know what you have you know what your strengths and weaknesses are and everybody seems to know that the running game is is the strength of the team right now except for <laughs> the guy calling the plays. Um And so it's going to be interesting. I think this we came at a perfect time because that'll allow everybody to assess where they're at. And, you know, hopefully Troy Taylor will make some adjustments to his own play calling, which I think is needed because right now you've got to get the ball out of Tyler's hands. You know, he's struggling right now mentally um, with the game and, and he's, you've got to get him some confidence. And I think the best way to do that is to rely on Zach Moss. who's producing and gives Huntley opportunities that you know he can convert and so he, you just got to make him the second option he can't be the primary guy right now he's got to be the Robin. he can't be Batman he's got to be the Robin to Zach Moss's back so that's that's kind of what's going on there
2: so Steve you kind of bring up kind of the lack of execution on offense obviously under Winningham the offense year in, year and year out kind of has a lot of question marks and a lot of people griping about it. In your opinion, do you think an offense can flourish under a Winningham?
0: Whoa! What a question. I'm
2: not. Hey, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything like that. But a lot oh, of fans oh, on, uh, I, I'm you know, I'm just going off social media. You know a lot of fans are saying oh, that oh, under under Winningham, there's, there's never going to be an offense. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: This this isn't this isn't a Cam question. This is a people question. <laughs> this is the I still want. Right, this okay. is still I
2: want to be friends with you, Steve. Question.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if if I were answering the, the people and not Cam, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I would say, yeah, I I think that <laughs> I think an offense can flourish under Whittingham, which is it's. I get it. It's probably not what fans want to hear, but I think that. I think, I think they're close, and that's the thing is, um, I think that they're so close to making this thing work that right now it's just a matter of getting them mentally all back on the same page. I think that Troy Taylor, you know, in our broadcast, Brian, uh, uh, Brian Brown brought up a, a great point. Um, you know, Troy Taylor was a quarterback uh, growing up. And as a quarterback, what would you rather do? Would you rather hand the ball off 50 times or would you rather throw it? Th- uh, uh, would you rather throw it 50 times or would you rather hand it off 50 times? If I'm a quarterback, I want to throw the ball as much as I can. And so I think that's kind of seeped into his play calling. Obviously that's where he's going to lean towards. And I think what he's, I hope after three weeks now of, of proof that he needs to rely on the run more, I think if he can do that, everything points to the run being successful. You know, with this team, if he can do that, if we can get the run game, uh, the offensive game plan focused on the run, I think that this team can be really good. I think this offense can be really good. It's just a matter of can Troy Taylor overcome those natural tendencies as a former quarterback to, to lean and rely on the run. Um, that's going to be the key. Um, I think that he does. I think that this was a wake up call. I think that he, with the bye week, especially, I think that it's going to be a a great time for Kyle Whittingham to spend a lot of one-on-one time with Troy Taylor and really hammer home (laughs) the idea that you got to rely on the run. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I get it. There's a lot of questions. He hasn't had success, but I think that we're so close. We just got to stay committed to it.
2: I think those are, are great points. Steve. I know something that we've talked about on this podcast before is kind of the, how Taylor to take that next step, he's got to rely on kind of getting out of his comfort zone uh, of being a mm-hmm. quarterback. And when he's only got 15 seconds to call in a play, you know, I think it's just natural for him to go back to that, that quarterback thinking.
0: I think that, you know, it's, it's just that natural tendency. And, and and, and you look at, at BYU with Grimes, he's an offensive lineman, and, and what does BYU do? They rely on their run, they stick to their game plan, you know, because that offensive lineman, offensive lineman, they would much rather prefer to run block than, than pass block. And and so, you know, that seeps into his own play calling. So that's one of those things, but Taylor's got to adjust his, his tendencies a little bit, and if he does, I think this offense can be really good.
2: So I know we kind of have been talking about the negative stuff going on, but I think there are a lot of positives with this team. Is there a position group that you feel that is really succeeding now and maybe even going ab- above like expectations at the beginning of the year?
0: Dude, the, the linebackers with Chase and Cody have been phenomenal. They've been so good. They've been all Pac-12 confidence caliber type backers. Um, it's been so much fun to watch their growth. Um, and, and, just watch their production. But if I had to pick a surprise group, um, I would have to say, uh, the, the defensive tackles. Um, you know, there was a lot of questions whether they could be what they needed to replace guys like Lolo Tilele and, and uh, Filippo Mokofisi. And they've, you know, they've exceeded my expectations. A lot of it as a defensive tackle, it's not sexy. It's not the type of play that gets you recognition on the highlight really. A lot of it is sticking to your assignments and being disciplined. And the guys up front are doing just that. They're bringing a lot of energy. Uh, they're healthy, which is probably the biggest improvement over last year. And they're, they're sticking to their assignments. Would you, would, would we all like to see Lecky Fosu get off his blocks a little bit more, or John Tennessee, or, then those guys get off their blocks a little bit more? Yeah. I, obviously, yeah. You want, you want those guys to, to get after the quarterback a little bit. But the key is they're sticking to their assignments and they're dominating. Um, this defensive line has potential to be really good. And, and I think that they are proving just how good they can be by establishing themselves as run steppers which will allow them to kind of grow into those uh passers. Once you once you nail down your technique in one aspect it's so much easier to add to it as as you grow as a player. So uh but yeah defensive tackles definitely the surprise that the overall best position has been Cody and Chase that linebacker.
1: Yeah those defensive tackles almost had a pick six but just fumbled it right off his love handle though. <laughs>
0: Hey, you know what? I have a love handle, so I empathize. I get it. So, for all you skinny cats out there, shut up and and uh, and uh, let us let us fat boys, you know, let him have his moment, okay? Steve, Ryan, all, Ryan you know, can
2: only say that because he's been doing the keto diet.
0: Yeah, I, I still have some love handles. I still have some love
1: handles. It's all good. You, Brian, and uh, I, I can still hang something. out.
0: Skelter, skelter
1: about Ryan. I always knew that. <laughs> oh, that. I mean, obviously, the kind of digress a little bit there, but uh, that play, <laughs> that particular play. I mean, obviously, he didn't want to fumble, it. that's unfortunate that it happened. But then the team didn't even end up scoring, and that changes the whole outcome of the game if they score that touchdown right there,
0: or the whole complexion oh, yeah. of the game. Yeah.
1: not the out, not necessarily the outcome, but at least changes the complexion of the game.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that generates some momentum for the guys, you know, it it gives the, the offense a little bit more hope. Um, and you know, it gives them an immediate goal where it doesn't seem so daunting to make a comeback. Or if you can get a quick score like that and kind of get some, get some good mojo going, you know, if that were to happen, who knows what would have happened, you know, the remainder of the game, that would have been huge. You know, it's unfortunate that he didn't get in and, you know, and I, Obviously we know what happened, you know, with, uh, with what happened with the offense, you know, getting back on the field after that. But, you know, it's just unfortunate. It was a missed opportunity and it, you know, it just seems, you know, there was that. It just seemed like there was Utah just couldn't catch a good break. They mm-hmm. just couldn't catch a break. The ball bounced the opposite way most of the night. It, it just seemed like it wasn't their night. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it seems like it's been that way. <laughs> For, for you know the, the first three weeks it seems like he's been that way so uh, eventually things are going to turn around things are going to swing back and the is going to be back and in, in the favor of of utah and, and they'll get this thing going
1: yeah i hope you're right and yeah, i think you're probably right uh, sticking with the pos- position groups there uh, i know the first couple of weeks there was a lot of talk about how the offensive line didn't perform uh very well it wasn't a- They weren't pass blocking very well. Um, at least in my opinion, they looked like they played quite a bit better this week. Would you concur with that?
0: Uh, Yeah, they, from, from last week to this week, they've most improved group by far. I mean, with you know, it's pretty easy when you, you know, to say when they struggled so much. But yeah, definitely huge improvement, you know, and it was, it was kind of, you were nervous heading into the game once you found out that Darren Paulo wasn't going to play, but you know, Nick Ford slid right into that right tackle spot and looked like a natural, you know, me and Brian have talked about this, but you know, we both feel that Ford is, is a better fit at right tackle than Paulo is. Um, Ford, his feet are a little bit quicker. You know, Paulo has, you know, he's a giant guy, right? So he covers a lot of ground, but his feet are just a, a little bit slow. Um, so he's a good athlete. Um, but if you move him inside, he's a, he's a better athlete. And so, you know, our hope is that they keep forward at right tackle and they move Paulo inside. And yeah, I want to make, want to say something. So Jordan obviously gets a lot of slack and some of it's valid with penalties and those kind of things. He is blocking at a very, very good, good rate right now. He's, he's when he's able to just lock in and, and and get his assignment. He's as good as anybody on that, on that unit. Um the, There was a miscommunication that, that allowed some pressure between he and, and Falamaca, which kind of, I'm sure gave flashbacks to last year's struggles, but this group overall, Augustiva and Salamaca, they've been much better, especially And So, you know, I, I know that Augustino gets a lot of, uh, just a lot of heat from fans. Everybody, you know, he's the first name that pops up when fans want to make a change on the offensive line the case. Um so, you know, shout out to those guys. They definitely made uh, big, big improvements from last week
2: to this week. So Steve, we can't have you on and representing Ute Zone without talking a little bit recruiting. I I know you even brought it oh, up at so, the press conference with Whittingham today. Why don't you just kinda of give an update kinda of on the landscaping of, of recruiting with the Utes? Yeah, landscaping. Uh, yeah, so
0: I mean Obviously big scope it's it's gonna be a smaller class. Um there are only so many seniors graduating this year, so I think that they're right now if we factor in the rear the Hamilton transfer, I think that there's sixteen spots available. Um so uh and there may be other transfers, you know, in the near future, other departures, those kind of things, you know, that type of stuff always happens. Um but it's going to be a smaller class, which has kind of been the case the last, the last two years. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, they're, they're shooting for the moon on a lot of guys. You know, Jaden Daniels, the four star quarterback out of, uh, Cajon, uh, out of San Bernardino, still number one priority, you know, offense or defense. He's, he's the guy. Uh, I things still look good there. Uh, um, Bernard still playing well. Aaron Lowe is playing well. Um, and so right now the need, the big need is, is safety um and then also offensive line it's going to be interesting to see what happens on offensive line um i think that they'll end up bringing in a couple junior college players um that are a little bit more ready to play uh, so i i think that that's what we'll see and, and maybe they dip into the the grad grad transfer route you know so if if they don't bring in a JUCO guy or a high level high school guy like a Sean Ryan you know, on offensive line, they can dip into that graduate transfer and, and and bring in a guy that way that would be, you know, a, able to compete right away as well. So you know, we'll see. But I think overall, you know, despite the loss on Sunday, or, I mean, on Saturday, um, Utah had some visitors over the weekend and everything went really well. You know, we're hearing, hearing really good things about where Utah stands with, uh, LaCrea, Pleasant, Pleasant Johnson and, and the Markham twins, uh, Kiwan and Keon. Uh, hearing really good things. Utah's really confident in their chances with both of those guys. A little bit more so with, um, LPJ, uh, than the Martin Twins. But, um, but yeah, things are going really well. Uh, they're, they're definitely knocking on the door of another, another step up in terms of their recruiting profile. Um, what would help out the most obviously would, would be winning you know, at least the South Division title or, or a conference title that would help them tremendously, but yeah, they're definitely recruiting at a, at a very good, very good level right now.
2: Steve, thanks for coming on, buddy. I know how busy you are with everything you're doing with Youth Zone and ESPN. Really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, obviously UteZone.com. That's priority number one, two, and three is UteZone.com. Um, hit us up. You know, if, if you don't, if you're not a subscriber there, hit me up. And we've got promotion and that kind of stuff going on that I can help you out with. Uh We've got a lot of great content. I've just I just published two articles since I've been on the phone with you guys. No lie, that is not a lie. Published two articles wow. since I've Multitask, been on the phone. So, Multitask. Um, yeah, I, you, I guys, actually, you like, guys
2: are killing yeah. it.
0: Yeah. So and I appreciate that, Cam. You know, it's always good to be on with you guys. Me and Brian, you know, we always talk about you and, and about what you guys are doing here, and it's a lot of fun. We always enjoy coming on with you guys. So yeah. So obviously, dot com, ESPN seven hundred, the U React Show, Uzone Radio. Um, you can find us basically anywhere. Twitter, @bartle247. You know, hit me up if you want to complain about how um, how Cam basically painted the picture that Utah was going to go fourteen to zero. Yeah, if you want to hit me up and complain? We'll do it. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> all
2: right. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
0: No problem.
1: Thanks, Steve. take care, guys.
2: And it's always great to have Steve come on. I know he's super busy with what he's doing with Ute Zone and ESPN 700. So it's definitely a special treat we can get him on. But, Especially
1: when he gives you a hard time. Oh,
2: whatever. I, since Scott wasn't here, I was hoping to have a smooth night. But apparently, <laughs> you know, they do a great job at Ute Zone you know, with, with Steve and Brian and Dan and Michelle and the rest of the gang. They honestly are are killing it. Uh, with with their u coverage and, and in-depth knowledge, uh, not only in, in the program, but recruiting as well.
1: Absolutely. Good. Give them a look, everyone. So as we go
2: into our Pac-12 and 12, we want you to know that's brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. And they are the preferred hotel by Pac-12 teams when they come into Salt Lake. Oh my goodness! Not a great week for the Pac-12. Not
1: at all. Whew.
2: We knew it wasn't a great week going in because a lot of Pac-12 teams were playing lesser opponents. But the games that kind of meant stuff to the the conference, not a great showing. So let's just kind of hurry and run run through it. Stanford beat UC UC Davis thirty to ten. No surprise there.
1: No, no it, it was pretty close. It was the first half was close. I watched part of that game, but yeah. It's Stanford pulled away, obviously. Oregon takes down San Jose State,
2: 35-22. A
1: little closer than I thought it would be.
2: I thought Oregon would put a little bit more points on there. Oregon's a little bit surprising. I don't think we really know what this Oregon team is quite yet. Kind of the shocker of the night. USC down in Texas, 37-14. Ouch. And negative five yards for rushing for USC. That's embarrassing. I, I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. No, this if you're is...
1: negative five
2: yards rushing, that's not a good look.
1: No, it's not a good look. And I think if this keeps up, uh, USC is going to be looking for a new head coach. Uh, you think Clay will get let go? If if it keeps up, this yeah. I mean, they're not looking good at all. I guess that's what happens when
2: you hit your wagon to a kid that should be a senior in high school. And you have two punters, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> San, uh, San Diego State beats Arizona State 28-21. What a crazy finish. San Diego State has a chance to put the game away. They fumble. Arizona recovers. Arizona throws a deep bomb. They catch it on the like two-yard line, but as he's going down, the wide receiver for Arizona gets targeted, mm-hmm. causing him to drop the ball. So they get the 15 yard penalty. So they get the penalty. <laughs> Ellen, here's the here's the the crappy part is that they ruled it a completion and then when they went to the review for the target, they they, 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 it. they saw that it hit the ground and called it incomplete.
1: And at that point what there was only 2 seconds left, <laughs> yeah. so there was nothing they could do anyway. It was, yeah. But Manny Wilkins for Arizona
2: State is playing really well. I think he's catching a lot of people off guard and, you know, Herm Edwards the CEO plugging away. Man, if they
1: had, if Arizona State had won that game, you'd imagine the pub he would have got.
2: Well, he got pub for flying home at 3 in the morning and going and watching film after. <laughs> what most coaches do. <laughs> Colorado took care of New Hampshire in 45-14. The haircut with Mike McIntyre still holding up. <laughs> Cal took care of Idaho State forty-five twenty-three, 45-23. And then... Poor Oregon State loses to Nevada, 35-37. They had a chance to win it with a field goal at the end of the game and missed it. They got down early. I think it was like 24-0. Uh, and Oregon State kind of battled back. Again, a program trying to turn the corner. Not not quite there yet. Washington State took care of Eastern Washington, 59-24. Washington State, their defense is showing a lot better than what people were expecting so Utah faces them next um, next week after the bye. So it'll be really interesting to see what Utah does in Pullman. Fresno State. I have to pat myself on the back on this one. <laughs> you would. I picked Fresno. You and Scott took UCLA. Chip Kelly goes down. Come on, 38-14. Chip. 38-14. And here's the best part of this. UCLA starting quarterback Darren Thompson Robinson's dad took to social media today, and I quote, it's all about the coaching. Lousy coaching and play calling. <laughs> coaching that is so bad that it demands closed practices. Million dollar coach who bears no responsibility. Wow.
1: Put it out I, there. On I the get coach. it. You got
2: to support your kid. I, I totally get See it. The next LeVar ball. <laughs> but wow. Not going well in UCLA. And when you have. Your starting quarterback's dad coming out. Not a good luck for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. And then Arizona gets their first win of the season 62 to 31 over Southern Utah.
1: That was close early on. It's too bad. Southern, Southern Utah. Utah hung
2: with them for, did. for quite a bit, but Arizona ran away with it. This week's games I'm getting really excited for are in conference play now, Washington State at USC. Go Washington State. It's a Friday night game. Arizona is traveling to Corvallis to face Oregon State. If Oregon State can get that, that will be a really good win for for that program as they're trying to fix that culture down there. It would be really bad for Arizona. I'm I'm sorry (laughs) to our friends at Pac-12 Radio. That would not be a a good loss. Uh, Stanford at Oregon. Probably the game of the week in the Pac-12. Game day is going to be
1: there. Yeah, tell us. I think we kind of know where Stanford is a little bit. This I think this will give us an idea of where
2: Oregon is. And then to finish it off, Arizona State is traveling to Seattle to take on the Huskies. This
1: potentially, could be a big game too. So as we do each
2: week, we pick some. We pick three games to give you an update on the standings. I went four and zero last week. Scott's going zero for three this week. Yeah, we're going to guarantee Scott doesn't get any right this week. He's uh, just
1: going to, no matter what, he's just going 0-3.
2: <laughs> so in the season, I'm 8-4, tied with Scott. And Ryan, you're in last place, a 5-7. Well, Scott's going yeah, to take that over this <laughs> week. Maybe Herm Edwards will be calling you Sue, Ryan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first game we're picking is Washington State at USC. The Trojans are a 4.5 favorite. Ryan?
1: I, well, I don't know. Washington State really hasn't played anybody yet, so it's hard to know. But I have not seen anything out of USC, so I'm going to go with Washington State on the road.
2: I'm going to definitely agree. I'm going to go, even though Vegas, I'm surprised Vegas has USC at, uh, at 4.5. That kind
1: of surprised me too.
2: I, I just don't trust this USC team. I make fun of them for starting a kid that should be a senior in high school. I know he's a, he's a tremendous talent. He has all the potential in the world. He's just not there yet. And when you rush for negative five yards, (laughs) when you rush for negative five yards against Texas, I'm not going to pick you to win a game. I'm going with the Cougars of Washington State. Huntley
1: can get you more than five yards.
2: (laughs) And the next game ASU against the team we just saw here in Salt Lake and Washington. Washington's a 17 and a half point favorite as we record this.
1: Part of me wants to go with the CEO, get with the upset. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go ASU with wow. the upset. Manny Wilkins
2: playing a, a great season so far. He's really carrying that offense down there in, in, in Arizona he is, State. He's playing well, and I hope, I mean, between the, I the hope the Mich- he plays really well this weekend. <laughs> between the Michigan State game um, and then giving his team a, a fighting chance at the very end against San Diego State he's playing really well but I'm not going to go against Washington at home they're feeling great right now just beating Utah so I'm going to go with the Huskies and then our last game the game of the week for the Pac-12 game day will be up there Stanford's traveling to Eugene to face the Ducks the line on this has moved it started out Oregon and about one point one one and a half point favorite As we're recording this, it shifted to Stanford for about one point. Ryan, where do you sit?
1: I'm pretty sure that they rested Bryce Love for this game. They want him to play again. He had an undisclosed injury. Come on. He wasn't hurt. I think I'm going to go with the home team, though. I think Oregon's going to be a little too much for them to handle at home.
2: Not so fast, my friend. no i'm just playing when did lee corso (laughs) join the podcast (laughs) i gotta go with oregon as well basically because they're home if it was at the farm i I maybe switch but at home oregon has a great atmosphere there it's game day fans are going to be pumped up duck nachos all around (laughs) and the ducks will be victorious all right should we quickly run through scott's picks yes he's picking all the losing teams (laughs) All right, so that will do it for this episode as Utah has a bye. We'll be back next week as we talk Utah and Washington State Cougars. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's drum, the letter N, feather. And you can follow Scott at UteMan underscore forever. And you can follow me on twitter and instagram at utah man podcast and you can always find us on itunes stitcher google play spotify anywhere you can find a podcast we are there and at our home at UtahManPodcast.com and go utes go utes
1: go utes we'll be till i die kai yai
2: <laughs> sounded just like him <laughs>
0: we're good let's cut it The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.